as far north as Marauder's Arch, as far south as Booty Isle, as far east as Ruby's Fall, and as far west as Mermaid's Hideaway, Pirate Talk Radio proudly presents the most in-your-face Sea of Thieves podcast on the waves, and now broadcasting from his mother's basement, the biggest idiot to ever pick up a cutlass, your host, Davram! To Pirate Talk Radio, this is episode 100. We have turned over. We've hit 100. We have got there. And I want to take a moment and thank each and every person who's listened to one episode, five episodes, or all 100 episodes. This is a passion project of mine that I just started in order to get my voice out there, my my opinions out there trying to give a new voice uh, to the community of Sea of Thieves uh, based on what I kind of saw and the other content out there. And it turned into something so much greater. It's it's turned into something that I enjoy doing. People enjoy watching. People interact with me. Um, and I've I've got to now travel uh, to Europe because of it and, and meet the developers at Rare and have some great conversations with a lot of really interesting and great people across the Sea of Thieves community. And more to come on that. Uh, definitely more to come uh, in, the, in the next 100 episodes or, or whatever. I've got a lot of stuff planned this year. Obviously, last episode, uh, y'all got to listen to the first interview for a while and the first interview of a new organization with Sea of Vengeance, and that was a lot of fun, and I've heard a lot. I'm throwing my mouse off the, the, the freaking table. I'm so excited. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, learned a lot of things about that organization that I didn't know, uh, and I know a lot of folks really enjoyed that episode, um, and I got a lot of positive feedback. Um, but Atop of the the viewers is, of course, the illustrious but notorious patrons who go above and beyond just listening or watching each and every week. They throw their hard-earned money at me. Like, how awesome is that? That people are out there working hard every single day to make money, and they are chucking money at me in order to tell me thank you and 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 get their perks and, and just really go above and beyond support. So let's take a moment, as we always do, and thank those wonderful people. We have Blade X Life. We have Skamelt666. We have Lane, and we have Regis Stella. Thank you again, everyone, for continuing to support this and all of my content. If you are interested in supporting and getting Pirate Talk Radio before anyone else does, you can go over to patreon.com slash TV and check out the different tiers starting at $1 and all the different perks that you can get um, by subscribing and supporting this content. Again, thank you everyone who has been a part of this journey. And I assure you, we're not going anywhere. We've got a lot to go over and a lot to do. And I'm sure some of you are like, but Davram, it's been a week. It's been a whole week plus another week. And we're just now getting this episode. Yes. And I'll tell you why in our first little segment, which is very near and dear to my heart. And it, uh, it, 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 it 
goes really deep into uh, into the the week hiatus of Pirate Talk Radio, uh, what led up to it, and 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 why everyone, especially with season nine, uh, should be really really thinking about stuff. And so we're going to go into that uh, in a few moments. But first, I want to talk about the news because there's a lot of it. There is a lot of news uh, that we've got. We have gotten bombarded by uh, Sea of Thieves Media. Uh, we obviously had the official Sea of Thieves podcast, uh, which I was excited to to listen to and hear. And we're going to dive into that as we always do. Uh, we had the Sea of Thieves news itself. Uh, we had a 24-hour charity event that was absolutely fantastic that Sea of Thieves put on. Raised a lot of money for special effects. Uh, their charity work is just absolutely amazing, uh, which is some, which is one of the reasons I love to support Rare. And even though I've got my issues, uh, I love this game and and what the developers do to help uh, support charities. Because as you all know, uh, charity is a big thing for me um, with Extra Life. So seeing that Rare takes the time, the energy, and the effort and money uh, to support charities that uh, that really mean a lot to a lot of people uh, always always gets my Always gets me excited to watch and support. But let's go in to what we found out in Sea of Thieves news. For all you Xbox nerds out there, and for all you Halo fanboys, and I'm sure many of you are like, Devin, this is old news. It is, but you know what? We had an important episode last time to get through, so deal with it. The Halo set has hit Sea of Thieves. Yes, Rare has done another crossover uh, with Halo, the Halo franchise, and it gives you a full ship set inspired by Halo, a Master Chief inspired pirate costume, which is cool. I don't like the hat and the helmet, like, but it was done well for for obviously taking a space marine, uh, a warrior space marine, and making it an old school pirate. They did a good job. I, I'm just not a huge fan of it. You know how I am with my cosmetics. I'm very picky, but uh, but everything was really cool. And I just didn't like the helmet um, going into the hat. Every, I think everything else looked really nice though. Uh, but the emote on it with the Cortana music box was super cool, especially since he pulls it from the back of like the helmet. Um, um, just, you know, owed to the game. So great detail uh, from the design team on that costume and the custom emote that you get with there. And then the thing that's really cool, again, you know how I am with my light up glowy crap, uh, but the weapon set, all inspired by Halo, um, you know, though they're not exact replicas of the guns from Halos, they're all inspired by a specific gun in Halo. And I think they did an outstanding, fantastic job with it. Uh, they look really cool. And if you like glowy neon stuff, you're going to love this stuff. It looks really nice. I've seen all the stuff in game. Uh, I think it looks really good. Uh, the ship set does look really cool as well. Um, I can definitely see people using parts and pieces of it uh, across their ship, especially if you're ship is dark colored and with an accent of red this ship set will f be fire with whatever you're doing uh, and if you're a person that likes glowy stuff this thing glows so uh, really cool halo crossover that they did there um, super super pumped uh, to see people in their pictures uh, using that and then the other piece of news aside from the free emote which is the 
pancake emote, which is kind of funny. And and the uh, the the media team did a really good job with the Sea of Thieves news and and air pancakes or heaven pancakes or ceiling pancakes, whatever it was like was really good. If you didn't watch the Sea of Thieves news short all the way to the end and and missed uh, <laughs> missed the background with McMercury on the floor eating a pancake, you, you missed out because it was just absolutely great. It was absolutely McMercury. It was absolutely Sea of Thieves. It was presented amazingly. So well done to them. But one thing we did find out, which was a little bit disappointing, but also really speaks to where Rare is versus where they came from. And we're going to get into a lot of that when we start to break down the podcast. But one of the big knocks that I always had on Rare was taking on too much and releasing things before they were fully cooked. Now, we still have that going on, and we will see that uh, in the discussion um, when we talk about the Sea of Thieves podcast. But The fifth anniversary is coming up. Five years of Sea of Thieves. It's going to be huge. It's going to be big. Um, Again, when this episode releases, same day, March 6th, Saturday, March 6th, they will be doing a live stream to preview Season 9 and the fifth year anniversary of Sea of Thieves, which happens later in March. Uh, Near the end of March, we'll have the fifth year celebration. I feel that this is going to be huge. I don't think that pirates are really ready for the magnitude of this celebration. I think it's going to be big. I think it's going to be huge. I think it's going to be very much honoring the journey uh, that Sea of Thieves has been on, how far it's come, and honoring the future that we that we see on the roadmap and that uh, the rare team hopes to have. So look forward to the fifth year anniversary. But because of the fifth year anniversary, because of season nine releasing pretty much at the same time, I think we've got like one or two weeks left in season eight. And then we hit season nine. And then we immediately right after season nine launches hit the fifth anniversary celebration. That's a lot of work. That is a lot of workload getting ready for that. And let's not forget, we have E3 right around the corner. And you know that Rare does E3 better but different than all other companies. So we can expect a really great, spectacular presentation, as always, from Rare at E3. So they have Season 9. They have 5th Anniversary. And they've got E3 that they're all prepping for. So what does that mean? Well... In any business and in any software development, when you have a, a, a work in progress board that is that big with so many launches, you have to then start to make the determination, what can we cut? What can we pull back on in order to make sure the things we are doing are going to be the best they can be? And unfortunately, for a lot of us who love what they're doing with adventures, even though you know my ratings and you know my critiques of them... Adventures have been put on hold. They have been on put on hold for the time being as they get through the launch of season nine, as they get through, um, you know, the, the fifth anniversary. And as I'm sure they get to E3. Now, it could very much be that part of the E3 presentation is the return to the adventures and whatever comes next in that. It could very well be. Who knows? We don't know. Uh, We won't know because they keep it very locked down and very secret. That's kind of their MO. Um, And I'm excited to see what they present at E3 this year. But right now, adventures are are, are on hold. It really does show you a few things. One, it shows 
you the limitations of a small development team. Now, Rare is not a small studio, but in terms of, say, a Blizzard or, say, a, uh, 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 you know, a, a, a PlayStation or a big, you know, even Microsoft. I know Microsoft itself isn't necessarily uh, the developing company. They've got a whole bunch of studios just like PlayStation. But at the end of the day, think about these large studios. Blizzard, for example, they are much bigger than Rare. Uh, Rare is a bigger team than what they were, especially the Sea of Thieves side. But they're no tiny little development company by any means but they're also not a huge development company. And because of that, they only have a limited amount of resources in order to bring us this content. And with all these major announcements and events coming up, they had to cut something. And the easiest thing to cut Adventures. I mean, let's be honest. It's the easiest thing to cut. They've learned a lot from the adventures so far. And I think taking a step back, taking a break, just like they're doing with the with the mystery, taking a break from it, looking at all the stuff they've learned, all the player feedback, the internal observations, really looking at the system and then reevaluating and relaunching it to make it better and make it cooler uh, as they relaunch it. The disappointing part about this to me is they did end it mid-series. So as we well know, the adventures are broken down into three adventures is a series, right? So we go one, two, three, series. Four, five, six, series. Seven, eight, nine, series. Ten, eleven, twelve, series. And they've stopped after eleven. And we are mid-Briggsy adventure right now. It started a little slow. Um, I obviously had major issues with uh, Adventure 11 uh, with some of the implementation that they did, but they are working on it and they're making things cooler. They're they're really bringing them to the tall tale level, which I've got my I've got my likes and dislikes about that approach because of how much sailing and how much story is going in and not enough combat. There's a balance thing. And that's all the feedback that they could be looking at right now um, and making adjustments for adventures in the future. I'm just a little disappointed because I I like Briggsy. I wanted to see this adventure really blossom and uh, flourish. Look, is it slow start really started to ramp up with 11. And I was really looking forward to seeing how this series with Briggsy ends where you've got Tasha and you've got the Warsmith and the dark Brethren, and you got Briggsy who just went through the portal and you've got this ancient temple that they're talking about and all of this stuff, which is tying into the tall tales brilliantly, by the way, uh, I don't know if any of you have replayed the Tall Tales since this, but it's so amazing <coughs> how Rare does this. They have dropped us breadcrumbs all along the way, from Tall Tale 1 all the way through the Sh- Shores of Gold series. They've dropped little hints about the Skeleton Curse, about the the Cure, about things that Briggsy was after, about the constellations and suds and all of this stuff. They've dropped little breadcrumbs. And and at the time, we didn't know what those breadcrumbs were. We we didn't know anything about it. But now the payoff is happening. And they've done that throughout the entire history of Sea of Thieves where they drop a breadcrumb and then they give you the payoff later and you're like, oh, that ties back to this and that that completes. It, it's, it's incredible storytelling that Mike Chapman and his team are able to do regardless of how I feel about the direction, regardless of how I feel about how the execution of these things 
are. The storytelling of dropping breadcrumbs and then paying them off down the road, probably when you've kind of forgot about the original drop, is absolutely brilliant. It's it's great, uh, and I hope they continue to do that. But Logan and I, starting on Community Day, had started to play through these tall tales, and we were starting to connect these dots because we just played Adventure 10 and 11, and we are, are, that's fresh in our minds, and now going back and playing through these tall tales, we're seeing that pay off, and we're connecting those dots of things that we had forgotten about in just basic conversations or or log books or whatever during that initial tall tale and initial tall tale series. It's all paying off now. Little, just little voice lines of skeletons or the captains that you got during the Briggsy story of the tall tales are now paying off, and we're starting to put the pieces together. It's brilliant storytelling from that team. And I hope that continues. But for now, for now, we're putting the adventures on the shelf. And like I said, I hope they're taking the time to review community feedback, uh, talk to their partners, talk to the people who are doing content about it, talk to their players in general, and really get a feel for which adventures did well and why they did well which adventures didn't do so well and why they didn't do so well and and really take that feedback into account as they move to adventure 12 uh in the future and like i said i don't anticipate adventure 12 probably until after e3 that would be my guess um because we we got announcements that the uh the new mystery which is going to be more engaging and less forgotten about uh, as the first mystery that was one of their big p- uh, feedback pieces that is going to come out right after um, the fifth year anniversary so that will come out somewhere between the fifth anniversary and e3 uh, and then e3 and then i feel like we will get adventure number 12 um, after e3 so i'm going to guess early summer will probably be when we get adventure 12 maybe i'm wrong But I'm hoping they take this time and refine, get the feedback, and start to really look at how they're executing, designing, and building these adventures. And really take that community feedback into account because they've got got the potential with these. Some of these have been very lore-driven. Some of them have been very combat-driven. Some of them have been boring as hell. Some of them have been broken as shit. But... They have a potential here. They have a a gold recipe. They just have to get the ingredients mixed properly and baked properly to serve us uh, on the beautiful golden platter. I think they can do it. They just have to sit down and execute at this point. So why two weeks? Why two weeks um, haven't we had a Pirate Talk Radio? Um, so let me let me go into detail. And this is this is both it's going to be both a personal story. Um, I know a lot of people liked my personal story of Sea of Thieves. Um, it's going to be kind of a passion story about the charity and stuff, the, the work that I'm doing um, with the charity that I've been doing for 10 years. But it's also it all kind of clicked with me as I was doing the notes for this episode, uh, reading the tweets and reading some of the social media about season eight in general, specifically the players uh, that are not PVP players and, and, and just some of the stuff. And that's mental health and gaming. So. I'm a person, and I've always been this way, that I will push myself mentally and physically until my body breaks and says, you have to stop. 
I have always done that. I don't believe that I always feel that I can be more productive and do more things each and every day, physically, mentally, work, and I just push myself to a breaking point. And every time I break, no matter how better I get, no matter how stronger I get, no matter how much I learn, how how much better I do at planning and 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 all that stuff, there is always that breaking point. And the mental breaks are the worst, right? Physical breaks, tore muscle, broken bone, whatever, those heal relatively quickly. Mental breaks take it out of you, and it takes it out of you for the lingering effects for a very long time. And it's not just something that you could just go to physical therapy, go to the gym with some stretch bands and, and, and start to work that muscle again. Mental breaks are just literally time. And that is awful for me because I know what I need to get done, but mentally I cannot do it. It's been broken. And if any of you, we're watching my last live stream, uh, which at this point, like I said, uh, let's see here. It's uh, it's the weekend. It's almost the weekend here. So my last live stream, I think, was like nine days ago. Uh, da, da, da. It wasn't last. It, it would have been uh, the 24th, probably of February, I think was probably the last live stream. And it was only about an hour long. Uh, and I apologize for anyone who's listening that might have been on that live stream. I lost it. I broke. My mind broke. I was getting so irritated at season eight PVP. Um, I was frustrated. I'm a very competitive person. And I do not like when things are stacked against me outside of my control. Uh, that just really crushes me very quickly. Um, also, uh, I had just went through... Um, my company uh, laying off a significant portion of our workforce um, and my team specifically was a five person team and now we're two um, workload didn't decrease if the workload doesn't decrease and you have less people to do it guess what more work for the people that are left I didn't realize that the tax that that had been putting on me emotionally and mentally uh, was to the point it was couldn't tell as many of you know, and that I joke about all the time, I am also a single person that lives alone. And the only people that I have in the evenings to talk to are either ch chat when I'm streaming, which, by the way, anyone who comes in the stream and chats, thank you very much. You are my social life uh, and my four cats, which if you've ever had an animal and that is the only thing in the darkness of night uh, that you have to socialize with, they don't talk back. I don't know if you know this, but you can talk to an animal all day long and they, they I mean, they might meow or bark back at you, but they, you, it's not a conversation. I'll tell you that. That wears on you. Being single, being alone, it wears on you. I've been alone most of my life. So that, that, you know, it's one of those things like I talked about at the beginning. You build, you get stronger, but eventually things add up and break. And I got frustrated. With season eight PVP, um, not many of my friends that I play Sea of Thieves with are PVP sweat lords. I have kind of stepped back from playing the game as much as I used to, uh, just because there's other games that I'm enjoying right now more uh, that are cleaner as far as PVP experiences. Um, and so I'm not as 
practiced as I used to be in Sea of Thieves PvP. And anyone who plays other PvP games will know, especially shooters, that there is a very different Sea of Thieves PvP shooter versus other games PvP shooter. It's different systems um, and, and a different feel altogether. So if you don't play it on a consistent basis, your chops or your skills, they dwindle like supplies in Flameheart. And I was getting very frustrated because I do have a good friend of mine um, who who does like to PvP. And he's a bigger PvP sweat lord than me. I think he's 500 plus in both Guardians and, um, and, and Servants. <clears throat> and here's the thing. I like playing PvP. He was my he was my arena partner for a very long time. And and we do work well together. Unfortunately, with skill-based matchmaking, because of the amount of games he has won, his MMR is much higher than mine, which means we're going to be going against crews who are closer to his MMR than mine. And because of my lack of practice, I'm not going to be able to compete against them. It's like me trying to <clears throat> run a, a a trying to run a track meet trying to run around a, a football field against someone who actually runs track i'm not going to win there's no way i'm going to win unless they break their leg or something there's no way i'm going to win and that would be very frustrating to me because i'm a competitive person and even though everything i know is stacked against me both on a skill level and everything else i am still going to be very hard on myself because i didn't win and that's just how I am. Healthy or not, I'm a very competitive person. And it's done well for me in life, but it also causes a lot of anguish. Needless to say, in an hour of pretty much constant and consistent queuing, by the way, Sea of Thieves, well done on getting your queue times down. We won one game. My, I, I did a rough calculation. My win loss, uh, my, my loss percentage, loss percentage in season eight is probably around a 95, 98% loss, right? So I have a very low MMR, but my friend who has a lot of wins and is doing very well in season eight has a very high win rate. And, and how MMR is, is usually calculated in this type of situation, it would take the higher MMR because if you averaged it out, we're going to get players that my buddy is going to trounce, right? They're, he's just going to destroy them, and it's not going to be good for them. So they're going to take the higher MMR. I completely understand, and I get it. But that just means I'm going to get my ass beat, and it's going to piss me off. And I broke. With all the stuff going on in life, with work and everything like that, I literally broke and I flipped out on screen the first time ever I rage quit Sea of Thieves and I crashed my stream, like literally just crashed it. It was an inappropriate way to end a stream, but at that moment, that was where my head was. And I went to bed pissed off after I sent some angry messages to some people telling them how much Sea of Thieves sucks and how much season eight is garbage and how much I can't play with my friend and that's bullshit Blah, 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 blah. And I went to bed. <clears throat> and I woke up the next day, which is a Saturday, and I normally stream on a Saturday. And I sat there, and I said, I can't. I was broken. My mind was broken from all the life stress and from the game causing stress. Games are supposed to be fun and reduce stress. 
and that in the game had just put me over the edge. It was not the main cause of my stress. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. It just was the last straw in the hay bale that broke my back. Right? So I didn't stream. And I've stepped away from content for the past week, the better part of a week. So again, two weeks of no see of, uh, of, of Fire Talk Radio. But I needed that. I needed that break. And the more and more I've thought about it over the past, uh, the, the, the past week and a half, two weeks, and watching the tweets roll in about season eight from players struggling to get wins, people who have a low MMR, probably lower than mine, who are not PvP players, it's just not something they're good at and something they enjoy, who are getting very frustrated at the game, who are beating themselves up about their skill, and who are not enjoying the game right now, and they want to because it's a game they love. They want those cosmetics, and let me be very clear when I say this, games should not make cosmetics that are always available for everyone. There has to be elite cosmetics and elite things that only certain players <clears throat> or with a certain amount of time you can achieve. See if these for the longest time, pretty much by the end of a season, if you put a decent amount of time in are going to have everything. This is the first time that they've really broken that model and I'm okay with it. They've done time limited stuff before that people get pissed when they miss out on. And I get that and I understand, but I'm okay with the time and effort it takes to season eight, because that gives a group of the player base that it honestly has been neglected for a very long time, something to work on. And I think it's fine. I think it's great. Will I ever get the skeleton curse, the golden uh, or the, the, the golden skeleton or the Athena curse or the golden Athena curse? I don't know. I don't know. It's not really something that I'm worried about. It's not something I'm focused on. My focus is on health, my personal health, my career, um, and having a good time and trying to do everything I can to reduce uh, my stress. And playing a game and getting very competitive when I'm already stressed out. Again, didn't know I was stressed out. Found it out pretty violently. Um, <laughs> so I'm lucky I still have a monitor and a keyboard and a mouse. Could have went out that window right there for how pissed off I was. But it's important that all players take breaks. In this world of content, and I'm not saying I'm nowhere near a big content creator, but there are a, there are a huge amount of you who like to listen to the podcast each and every week. There are a lot of big YouTubers out there that, you know, they get millions of views each and every video. And people depend on that content. And when they're not there, they get angry because the content's not there. And there is a certain consistency that is required in content making. But people's personal health, regardless if you're a creator or not, always comes first. The content can't be made if someone's mind isn't in the right spot. You can't have fun in, in games if your mind isn't in the right spot. You also aren't going to have happiness in your life or feel good if your mind isn't in the right spot. And if a feature in a video game that you love is causing you to have a negative effect on your mental health, then you need to take a break. You need to step away, turn it off, 
cool down and get better before you go back. I pretty much have had my computer relatively, aside from a few little destiny things that I've done, um, probably in the past two weeks have been on my computer, I would say probably maybe five hours in two weeks. And by by that, I, I don't really play Xbox. I have one, but I don't really play it. I did update some games on there in case I ever chose to play it on there in case for some reason we hit some of our milestones in the charity this year and I have to play on Xbox. Um, I stepped away and turned off everything. And people were like, whoa, did you check out this new update? Hey, did you see this? And I'm like, no, I didn't. I've turned everything off because I need a break. And that's important. And seeing the things on on Reddit and Twitter about Sea of Thieves and people suffering, causing themselves to suffer by throwing themselves into Season 8 PvP because they want to get this stuff. It's causing a lot of folks, I think, a lot of mental strain and, and maybe even getting to a point, mental breaks or mental health issues. And I just say to everyone out there, if you are frustrated at season eight, step away. Don't let it affect your health. Don't let any video game affect your health. Step away. Season eight cosmetics are going to be here. They, they are not linked to the season pass. The season eight cosmetics, both Reaper and Guardians, are going to be here in season nine, ten, and for the foreseeable future. It's going to take me years to get those curses. And I'm okay with that. Because my mental health is more important, and so is yours. And this, again, this is things that I, I thought about over the first couple of days after that rage session, rage quit session on that stream. And I really thought that it was something I needed to talk about because I've been through this a lot in my life where, again, like I said, I push myself to a certain limit and eventually my body and my mind and everything just says stop. And then I don't stop. And it's like, fine, well, I'm going to make you stop. And it's going to be shitty. And it was shitty. So I was able to take some time and think about it. Um, and in that time I, I was able to meet with, uh, the hospital rep again, not personal medical, by the way, I just, I just needed time. Um, but one of the, and this goes to the, the side of the charity that many of, you know, me supporting extra life, I'm the president of that group and I get to help make decisions on where the money we raise goes in the hospital. So this year. Um, the money that the the amazing support that all of you and so many others that don't listen to this show gave us uh, over $120,000 last year uh, that we were able to raise to help children pay for their health care. I sat down uh, and, and made the decision with the hospital rep that we were going to utilize this to help kids with mental health issues. Um I've, I would have signed off on that before I had a mental break. But after having that mental break, after seeing all the anguish that people are going through right now with season eight in the Sea of Thieves community, I was like, you know what? I'm an adult. People who play Sea of Thieves in general are, there's a lot of adults, especially people out there tweeting. These kids, you know, they might be playing Sea of Thieves, they might be playing Mario. But either way, they've, they've got something that 
it's not their fault that they have some sort of mental capacity or mental issue. So we put the mo- we put a good chunk of money to support a lot of schools, parents, and children uh, with support for, for mental health care this year. So I'm very proud of that, and it ties into this story. But at the end of the day, that's why we haven't had a podcast for, for basically two weeks now, is, is I broke and I needed to recover. I am recovered. Stress is still high, but with the time off, I was able to refocus my mind, um, you know, get back to the gym. I haven't stopped going to the gym, but refocus my workouts, you know, kind of eliminate distraction, reduce my screen time. If you've noticed, I haven't been tweeting as much. Um, just really reduce the amount of, of external stimuli and really focus on getting myself back into the game. So I encourage everyone out there, if you're struggling with season eight, if you're struggling with anything whatsoever, you know, take a break, step away. Um, obviously, if it has nothing to do with gaming and Sea of Thieves and you're struggling, you know, go find help, but whatever. But mental health is not something to take lightly. Don't let yourself break like me. Um, and if you're out there playing games, and I've, I've talked to this so many times, be a decent human being when you're playing. You don't know what the person is on the other side of that screen, what they're going through. And you trash talking, you teabagging, you doing whatever toxic behavior could be causing some major breaks and or problems with someone else. So be a decent human being in video games. This should be our place to go escape from the shittiness of the real life and the real world and just go have a great time sailing the seas with whoever we run into, uh, regardless if they're PVP sweats or not, just be decent humans. Take care. I always end the show and I've ended my streams like this for years and the show, but I always say, take care of yourselves. And the important part is, and each other, right? And each other. So get out there, make sure you're taking care of yourself Don't panic over season eight. Don't stress over season eight. I'm not going to anymore. Um, And just just get out there and enjoy the game and get yourself out of there. Make sure you're careful. Make sure you're staying healthy mentally and and just keep just keep trugging along. Right. It might not be enjoyable. You might not like PVP. I know several people in the Pirate Talk Radio Discord who pops into my streams. They're like, oh, I can't PVP, but I got to win, you know. Enjoy those and just keep going. You're probably going to lose a lot. I know I will, but eventually you'll get there. But don't let it affect your mental health like it did me. So there we go. Away from a little uh, serious note there, a little serious note, um, but still ties into, again, why we didn't have a break and just trying to give some folks a little little food for thought as they're, as they're gaming out there. Stop podcast time. A lot of great things from this SOP podcast. But first, before we get into any of that, if you listen to the whole SOP podcast, you would hear a very familiar and lovely, beautiful name. During the Q&A session, a question was asked from Twitter. You know who asked that question? Me. They actually put one of my questions on the SOP podcast. And Mike Chapman and Joe Neat responded to it. The question that I asked, of course, was around the logbooks from Captaincy, just saying that these logbooks were precious back in the day. So why 
do our log books, regardless if I sync when I log out, they are free game for anyone to pick up, read, and sell. And Mike agreed with me. Mike and Joe both agreed with me that this was not something that they thought about. And it's something that they feel like needs to be addressed, but currently is not on the roadmap. Will it get added to the roadmap sooner or later? Who knows? But I like the fact that both of them agreed that th- that the feels bad of you the 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 book is supposed to be a story of your adventure um, and your boat's adventure, and it's supposed to be an item that someone can take when they sink you. It's supposed to be an item that can be sold. That's the historical significancy of a captain's log. But in the same regard, if you don't sink, it does feel bad knowing that that precious piece of your pirate and your boat's history just starts floating in the waves. It is a feels bad. And I'm glad that they acknowledged that it's a feels bad. And I'm glad that they said that it needs addressed. Do I think it's a high priority? No, I don't think it's a high priority. I think this is a nice to have. I think it's a it's something that they should have thought about in the the beginning. But at this point, it's already in the wild. It's already now two seasons past. Is it something they may address in the future? Quite possibly. But I'm just glad it was acknowledged. I'm glad my name was brought up on the official SOP podcast. Just saying. Uh, Dust off the shoulder there a little bit. I'm glad. Um, But I'm glad that both Joe and Mike agreed that it was a feels bad for players and it's something they want to address and expand on the use of the logbook, Um, but just not something that's currently on the roadmap, but something they'll take into consideration. So you're welcome, everyone, for for not using a captain ship through all of season seven, pounding my fist and fighting on the front lines of getting Something else changed. I've, you know, I, I beated my chest and bitched about it for a long time. Guess what? We got the battle pass change. I got the battle pass change. You're welcome. And now I have put a plug in the ear and I've got agreement from Mike and Joe that the log book is something that needs to be looked at and enhanced. You're welcome. The voice of the voiceless pirates. You're all welcome. You're welcome. So let's start from top to bottom and really go through this podcast because there was a lot of information and a lot of good topics that I was glad to hear about and a lot of good approaches here. So first off, I, I before I really dive into too much here, the first thing that I noticed um, in this entire and was a theme throughout the entire thing was the engagement of Joe Neat. So you've heard me complain on this show a lot. You've heard me criticize a lot that I feel though he's a great guy and he has a good head on his shoulders. He is the creator director of Sea of Thieves. He is not the executive producer of Sea of Thieves. That is Joe. Mike is the creative director. But I feel like up until this point, Mike has basically been given the keys to the Ferrari. He has been given the helm of the ship and he has been driving it. And though we get great stories out of this, there's a lot of technical bugs. There's a lot of exploits and there's a lot of issues that I feel like if there was a more stern and more focused head um, to the Sea of Thieves ship, a captain, if you will, 
some of this story content would be toned down or spread out and we would have more cleaner on a technical side updates. And I felt like this was the first time that I've seen and heard Joe be very engaged in the conversation and really have a strong voice in the direction of the game. He always has some sort of comments, but a lot of times it's very jovial. It's very joking. And a lot of times he just sits there and watches Mike and listens to Mike about things. And there's been many times where Joe's like, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. You are the executive producer of the game. You should know everything going into your game. You should know it all. In my opinion, that should be your job. And you should be able to pull the switches, flip the levers and guide whatever needs to be guided to provide the quality and clean updates. And I've just never felt that with Joe's approach. And it feels like, here you go, Mike, here's the helm, drive the ship. And I'm going to sit back and handle the business side. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Finally, I've really seen Joe in this episode, be very engaged, talk in length, and in detail about some of the things going into the game, the background stuff that's going on. And I really felt finally that Joe Neat was guiding the ship. It really felt like Joe grabbed a hold of that wheel and now he is steering the ship and he is appropriately allowing his content experts to develop their individual pieces and he will drive the ship and put the overall picture and painting together like an executive producer should do. So that was very good to hear. And something, like I said, I have been talking about and complaining about for a long time. And it wasn't just one moment that this happened. It was throughout the entire thing of having Joe very engaged in the conversations of what is going on and what is upcoming in the game. Sure, Mike had a lot more insight on some of the stuff. Andy was there and had a lot of insight on some of the stuff. But it really felt like Joe was deeply engaged on all sides of the game its development and where it's at and where it's going. And that, (coughs) excuse me, was very refreshing, a complete change of what we've seen pretty much the entire time that I've been watching the SOP podcast and listening to it and meeting Joe, great guy. But it really felt like he was just kind of, I'm Joe Need, executive producer of Sea of Thieves, and turn it away, Mike, tell us what the game's all about and what's going on. And now it really feels like he is taking the captaincy, (laughs) pun intended, and the helm and guiding the ship now. So I'm anxious to see where he guides it. I'm anxious to see if this engagement continues and if we continue to see Joe Neat really being the captain of the ship as he should be and guiding his amazing staff to make sure that our updates are clean and complete and making sure this game is improving update after update, patch after patch. Great to see and and it was refreshing to finally, finally see that. So the first part of the podcast was really nice. It was a look back on Sea of Thieves, specifically season eight, but with the fifth year anniversary coming up, a look back on Sea of Thieves. And the first thing I was like, this is not going to start well. 
the first thing uh, Mike mentioned was he was re- he was pleased with the developer's response time to issues, that being exploits and that being balancing. And he was pleased with the response time. I was immediately like, oh, this this SOP podcast is not going to go well. Because let's be honest, they are a live service game and they've had five years to figure this out. And they're still not even close to industry standards on fixing major game-breaking bugs, exploits, and balancing. They are not. And why I say that is look how long it took them to fix blunderbombs. Look how long it took them to fix the turkey wall. Look how long it took them to fix stuff. And they've still got a lot of issues in there. It takes them weeks to get a handle on this stuff. The the uh, the queue times, which we'll talk about here in a minute. I can't believe they even admitted to this. I'm glad they did, but I can't believe they did. But it takes them weeks to wrap their heads around something and finally take action. If they, if a game like Blizzard had something so out of balance as a blunder bomb or so out of balance as like a turkey wall or, or something like that, they literally, it would be either patched the next day or, or on reset the next week. Sea of Thieves, it takes them weeks and or two weeks, three weeks in order to wrap their heads around it and fix it. Again, Blizzard is a bigger organization, but that is the standard of live service games. These big games like World of Warcraft, like Final Fantasy, those are live service games. They're 24-7 live service games. That is the standard that Sea of Thieves is being measured against. I'm sorry if they're a different genre and you don't agree with me, but all live service games, regardless of true genre or what the game is about, you are being held to the standards of the big boys and you need to live up to those standards and sea of thieves does not and it's very disappointing to me and i was really hoping joe would jump in there and be like we had a response time but it was unacceptable we did a great job of getting things more balanced but we should have been quicker at it we should have anticipated this and we should have been quicker at that thing it did take us too long you know i i I was really disappointed to hear that Mike thought the response time was acceptable because let's be honest, it was not acceptable. People had to wait, what, almost a month for blunder bombs to be fixed? It should have been fixed within a week. It should have been fixed within a couple days with how bad that was. Same with the turkey wall. Should have been fixed within days of release, within days of knowing about it. It should have been resolved, but it takes them weeks, if not months. And that is not acceptable in a live service game. You have to take action immediately immediately on game breaking things like that. Um Andy was the next to to speak. And he he mentioned something very interesting. And that was a change in their development process. So As I mentioned earlier, Sea of Thieves is very secretive in what they do. We know that. They like to get that wow factor. But in getting that wow factor, they oftentimes have broken, buggy updates. They've had a history of it. Season 8 was big. It was the first PvP-focused update, really, ever, where everything was focused around Season 8 PvP. And Andy mentioned a very big change on how they approach this. And that was 
early on, when it was still on a whiteboard, when it was still in the design and writing phase, they engaged with their Sea of Thieves partners and began to engage with insiders way early instead of what they normally do, which is cooking up something that they think is good and then throwing it out there to test. Guess what? The code's already done at that point. The design's already done. There has been pen on paper and paper now into code. It is in the game at that point. There is not much you can do getting it that late. There is not much they can do with feedback that late in the game of development. And this time they started it when it was still just a concept concept art, if you will, when it was still just on paper, when no actual keystrokes have went into it to put code in game, they had already engaged the feedback of, of heavy players in the game to talk about what are some of the exploits? What are some of the things you could see as issues in this? For example, Andy mentioned something he was very against was putting a battle boundary in there. And after these conversations in the, you know, concept art piece, everyone said the only way this is going to be work and enjoyable is with a battle boundary. And because of that feedback, we have a battle boundary and we've had issues with said battle boundary. I think it should always get smaller, just like a battle royale to force ships to not be able to just run all day. But we have a battle boundary now. That was not something that was in the original design. But before fingers hit keys and keys became code, that was the feedback they got from their heavy players, their partners, their, their, their intense insiders. And because of that feedback, a system was in place which actually made Season 8 feasible. Because could you imagine Season 8 without battle boundaries? It would be intolerable because people would just run all the time. All day long, they would just run. It would basically be like Adventure PvP as it is before Season 8, um, and if you're not doing Hourglass. That, that is what the PvP of Season 8 would be. Matches would never end unless they put a time limit on it, which, again, was not something they wanted to do. The battle boundary at least adds some sort of finite line in order to push to, to a, a, final, a final match, like a final ending, a, a, a result. Again, I think it should shrink, but that's just me. I don't think it ever will. I think it should shrink. This needs to become the norm from everything from updates, seasons, adventures. When it is still not even ink dried on paper, they should be engaging with their partners. They should be engaging with their their really good heavy testing insiders, and they should be making adjustments before code even hits the computer. <clears throat> to get a better understanding of the reception and feedback of players so they can get on top of it and provide a quality update that is going to be well-received, it's going to be fully baked, and it's going to meet the player's needs. This needs to become the norm. And if it doesn't, shame on you, Sea of Thieves, because you proved in Season 8 that it's a good system. So continue to use that system. I don't care if it gives out your secrets. I don't care if that means people aren't you know, those people don't get the wow factor. They get the wow factor when they test it. They sign NDAs for a reason. <clears throat> Let them help guide your pencil strokes to make sure the update is quality <clears throat> for the general player base. <clears throat> 
Make that the norm. I mentioned queue times. This was something disappointing for me to hear, but really speaks to how Rare approaches development and those timelines. Uh, Andy mentioned that queue times was a known issue um, the night before release. They knew that players would have longer than acceptable queue times. They knew this. And months prior to this, they had already started working on cross-seed and cross-faction battles to reduce queue times because they knew it would be an issue. If you knew it was going to be an issue, you knew there was going to be a negative um, a, a negative feedback on this, and you knew it was going to cause heartburn for your players, that's not something you put on the back burner. That is not something you wait for a month down the line or weeks down the line to implement. It wasn't ready when they launched Season 8, so they didn't include it. What happened? Heartburn. What happened? Negative player experience. What happened? Players got pissed off and tweeted and got angry. They had to come out with a statement. We're working on it. It's going to come out. And then down the road, we got it. If they identify something that is going to cause heartburn and players to have a negative player experience, I'm sorry, delay it. Sea of Thieves for too long has sat on their deadlines and saying, this is the deadline that we announced. We are going to hit it and we are going to strip out the bells and whistles so we can hit it. Player feedback and experience be damned. We're hitting this downline. They have pushed it in the past. Look, make it clean, make it complete. It doesn't have to be the final product. You can continue to make it better season after season, evolve it, but make sure what you release does not have a raw frozen center or an undercooked crust. Make sure everything is fully baked, especially if you know that it's going to cause player discomfort. It's going to cause a bad player experience. It's going to cause heartburn for players. If it's going to cause badness to the general players delay delays are better than heartburn delays are better than disappointment delay if you have to a month two months if needed players will get pissed at the delay but when a good complete product is released and put in front of them guess what they have forgotten about the heartburn because you just literally gave them an antacid and they're loving it. They're loving the feeling. They, You gave them a chocolate-covered ice cream sandwich and acid. Their heartburn is gone, and they're saying, Mmm, delicious. But don't identify an issue that you know is going to cause issues, and then not delay it. Just give us an unbaked solution. Bullshit. Bullshit. I hope they learn from this, and in the future, they will actually push things and delay things in order to give us a quality, fully baked solution. Cheating. We know it's happening. We see it every single day. In a competitive game, and Sea of Thieves, I would say, is not that competitive. It is, but it's not. But when you institute a PvP system that is going to track wins and losses, there are going to be cheaters. There were cheaters before Season 8, and now there's a lot of cheaters out there. 
And I was glad to hear the passion in Joe's voice when he said, we are constantly and continuing to monitor, make adjustments, and improve our cheat detection. And any and all reports of cheating will be heavily and quickly investigated. And this is the big thing. And permanent bans will be instituted. Now, he didn't go into details of the type of bans. I know they're not IP bans because a lot of these cheaters just make a new account and come back. But they really need to look, as I've said in the past, at IP banning this these people so there's no way in any way, shape, or form that they can ever re-enter the Sea of Thieves in their current home, <laughs> basically. <clears throat> and that was the end of the, the, they went around the table and that was kind of the end of the look back on season eight. It, it was mixed. I thought there were some, definitely some learnings that they, they, they took away. And I, I hope we see um, them in, implement in other uh, seasons. There was definitely some, in my mind, public PR spin where they said, oh yeah, this was great. We handled this well, but it really wasn't. Uh, and then there was the strong stance from Joe Neat of cheaters will not be tolerated and we will continue to crack down on them. The, overall, a good segment, a good segment. And then we moved on to the future. And of course, in typical Sea of Thieves fashion, a lot of it is shrouded in mystery, including the upcoming mystery, which we know nothing about. Um, but they are saying that it will come after the fifth anniversary, right after the fifth anniversary. And it's going to be more focused. It's not going to be something that draws out for a long time. Uh, players are going to be able to engage with it, discover it, figure it out. And it's not going to be kind of a, after a, a few days or a few weeks, all of a sudden it's just people forget about it. Because I'll be honest, I forgot about it. I completely forgot about it. I talked about it at the time um, when when we finished it. And, and I said, I quite honestly forgot about the mystery because it wasn't engaging enough. So I'm like, I like to see what they do here with the second take on a mystery um, and see how they have changed it from the first one and how they've made it more engaging um, in order to keep people interested. Uh, and I'm also glad that they're doing it after the season nine release. I'm glad they're doing it after the uh, the the fifth anniversary, most likely before E3 and before season or before Adventure 12 comes out. They're allowing it to have its own little pocket in time where it's the focus. When we had it before, we had season. We had we had multiple adventures uh, going on on either side of it and during it, and it really got muddled and lost along with the the Twitter and YouTube and Twitch engagement that needed to be done to unlock things. It just really got muddied and honestly forgotten for most of the player base um, because it just wasn't executed well. It was their first attempt. It was the first attempt. I did like the ending, though. But it was their first attempt. I hope they're a little bit more engaging on this one. Um, I hope what they said does come true and they really put focus around it because I think the mysteries could be a really cool um, addition to the game. Um, I know a lot of people who really were engaged with the adventure or with the mystery had a lot of fun solving it. Um, but for the general public, it was just it was lost on us. It was it was lost. It was completely lost. Season nine. Um, is going to, as they said, excite the core player base. 
And when they say core player base, they mean players who have played this game for a very long time. They said there's going to be a lot of features and quality of life um, changes in season nine that players that have been playing this game for a long time, what they refer to as their core player base, are going to be very excited to see. They said there will be also a whole bunch of new things and new features and new ways to play um, during a recent uh, preview. It looks like they're going to be kind of revamping some of the missions like like the uh, Veil mission, it looks like maybe adding some ghost uh, ships to the Veil mission options. Uh, maybe, maybe some more of those. Uh, maybe it could be a whole module around uh, ghost ships in the in the Veil. I know we already have the ghost ships at the end of the Veil around the um, around the forts, but maybe there's going to be a whole module about them. Uh, maybe leading up to Captain Flameheart, um, which we should see, as Mike said, later on this year. Um, the actual physical form. Um, but I'm anxious to see what this quality of life stuff is. I'm anxious to see um, what what it's going to be. Because, again, I've played it for a long time. I've known people playing it for longer than me. And there's a lot of things out there that people have wanted. Um, so I'm anxious to see. They, they talked about revamping some old legacy content that have, has kind of been lost. I know Logan and I have talked about that in excess and I hope um, that they continue to look at those things. And I'm excited to see what they bring us in Season 9. Um, they also spoke about, um, and this was a very interesting thing, um, and then I've got a few more just quickies, uh, and then and then we will we will wrap it up. So thank you. I know this episode is going a little long, but hey, guess what? It's a treat because of my mental health break and, and, and two weeks off from podcasting. So here you go. You get a little, you get a little bonus. So there was talk about when they first formed the sea of thieves team at rare. Um, this was rare's very first, uh, live service game. Uh, and the naivety of the team, uh, obviously has shown, um, they've grown, um, both a physical team and as developers and designers, but something that I didn't think about uh, that they brought up was the naivety being a strength. And I really started to think about that. And I think it's 100% true. Sea of Thieves is a unique gaming experience. It's a sandbox, choose-your-own-adventure game like Minecraft. It's story-driven content that's live service and is updated frequently like world of Warcraft. It's got PVP in it like counter-strike. It's got battle arenas in it now like Fortnite. It has all these different pieces and it's, it's, it's in its own world and it's the only pirate experience like that out there. It's the only gaming experience like that out there. And I don't think if, if rare, came together with teams <coughs> that had worked on other live service games, other, other shooter games, other games like that. I don't know if we would have gotten such a, well, let's be honest, spaghetti code, ugly, but absolutely adorable, beautiful, and game that we all love. I don't think we would have got that. The naivety of the, the, the development staff, the noobishness, if you will, of the development staff and the design team has given us a unique experience that you cannot get in any other game. 
<clears throat> in the past five years, you cannot get the Sea of Thieves experience <clears throat> anywhere else. You can't. There is no other game out there that's like Sea of Thieves. And with all its issues, with all its quirkiness, with all its bugs, its outstanding issues, at the end of the day, it's a game we all love. And it's a game that so many of us continue to play, regardless if we slam our keyboard down because our eye of reach shot didn't hit, or because of an invisible skeleton that decided to blow us up because we didn't see it there with a keg. Regardless of the tuck lords and PvP sweats, and regardless of alliance servers, we continue to play this game because we love it, because it's beautiful, and that would not exist without a team at Rare who had no idea what they were getting themselves into. And because of that, created something so unique and so wonderful that it's it's lasted the test of time. Think about that. In, in, the, in, in the world of gaming, there are only few select titles that stay on the top of their world for years. And Rare is about to turn five. World of Warcraft. I can't even say Final Fantasy 14 because that game had to be basically relaunched. So I can't say that. I can't say EverQuest because even though the game still exists, it's not near anywhere near the top of its realm or world. World of Warcraft made sure of that. But think about Sea of Thieves. It is literally for years now been a flagship title for Xbox, for Microsoft. And I don't think we get that unique, fun experience without the noob and naivety of that original team that has now blossomed into something. And I give them a lot of shit and a lot of hard, but I will also give them a lot of credit. They have created a wonderful, unique, and brilliantly beautiful world for us to play in. And regardless of its issues, we continue to keep coming back. Why? Because we cannot find this experience and play style anywhere else. The last two things I want to mention um, should excite some people and probably depress others. Save your doubloons. It wasn't expressly uh, talked about as far as why, but uh, um, there were some hints that the doubloons will be used to be per to purchase um, basically retired cosmetics from maybe previous season passes and things like that. So save your doubloons. I know a lot of people um, have have cashed them in for gold for the dark adventure stuff and all the new cosmetics. If you haven't done that, start 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 saving them. I don't care how many tens of thousands uh, or hundred thousand doubloons you have, save them because there's probably a good chance coming up soon the economy is going to be turned on its head when it comes to doubloons, and you're going to be want to oh, you want to be ready for that so you can get some of the cosmetics or whatever is going to come um, with that. And then for all you slow solo players, and this is actually really exciting to me because I prefer not to play this game solo for many reasons. One, I don't like to play games solo. Uh, I like to play with people. But this year, Sea of Thieves is really going to take a look at solo play in their game. 
um, it was admitted uh, many times that this game was designed for the Galleon. It was built from top to bottom for a four-player Galleon. That was the way they wanted you to play. That was the way it was designed. Mike Chapman even said, we built this game for a four-player Galleon. And, oh, yeah, there's a sloop. And then they added the brig. But this game was designed for a Galleon. Everything has been balanced and built Galleon design. And then, oh, yeah, there's a brig and a sloop. Solo slooping or slooping in general was viewed as the hard mode of the game. Specifically, solo slooping was viewed as the hard mode of the game. Not encouraged, not suggested, but tools, not rules. Players wanted a challenge, and there's a lot of really great solo sloopers out there. And they understand that. They understand that the the community around solo slooping is growing, and people want more ways that feel fair and balanced to play a solo sloop. So this year, I'm going to call it, 2023 for Sea of Thieves is going to be sloop love year. Love your sloop. Love your sloop players. Rare is going to put a huge focus this year in their updates, in their seasons. They said this around making the solo sloop experience better for their passionate solo sloop players. Maybe that's some balancing changes. Maybe that's some sloop adjustment changes. Who knows what they're going to do, but showing that they can do a solo sloop only queue system, which prevents people from adding a player once they get into the hourglass. You have to go in as a solo sloop. You have to win or lose as a solo sloop, and then someone can join you. They have proven that they can break apart the galleon, brig, sloop, and solo sloop in order to make a more fair and balanced PvP system, who knows what concoction their brains are coming up with. But this year, I'm telling you, and they said it's coming. They didn't go into any sort of details. But this year, they're going to be focusing on bringing more fairness, balance, and a better way to play as a solo slooper. So I'm excited to see that. I am really anxious to see what evil scientist things they brew up um, in order to make that experience player uh, experience for players who enjoy the solo sloop and who want to solo sloop uh, better. I think it's a great idea for the game. Um, I think there's a lot of players that will like that and enjoy that. So I'm anxious to see what they do. But guys, Again, thank you very much for the love and support. It's been a hundred episodes. I've I, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy engaging with you. Please follow me on Twitter. Uh, my email address is always in the show notes. You can join the Discord and talk to me anytime you want. Especially if you're having trouble with like mental anguish or anything like that with Sea of Thieves. You know, we're all human. We're all human. Um, so again, take care of yourselves, but also take care of others. Um, and I will see you next time on episode 101 of Pirate Talk Radio.